to me, I think a born entrepreneur is someone who is pretty much unemployable. I think we are the kind of people that we're 150 miles an hour. We're all about let's do it now. Let's stub our toe. Let's get our toe in the water, make mistakes, get on with it. You know, I've never had business plans. I've never had marketing plans. I've never had no plans. It all is just in my head. And I just go, this is what we're doing. And I know it'll work. And if it doesn't, that's great. I'd rather save time now, just throwing everything at it and it doesn't work. And then I can just move on to the next thing. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, a very special soul. Bryony Kennedy is the beauty industry veteran and former professional makeup artist that has created an incredible company called Adorn Cosmetics. She knew the importance of using good quality products with safe ingredients. She makes sure that every single product she creates has ethical beauty claim behind it. With an unwavering commitment to her customers, her Adorners, Bryony guarantees complete transparency on all the ethically sourced ingredients in every product. With the world choking on plastic, she's also determined to minimize waste. So in 2010, she pioneered circular beauty refill and recycle initiatives, a bold but much needed courageous change for the beauty industry. Now, this beautiful soul has chosen to be the face of Adorn because it's so much more than a cosmetic brand. It is a powerful collective movement that aligns with all of her values. She lives with purpose in all areas of your life, as you will hear today. And not only as an entrepreneur and environmental activist, but as a mother of three boys and an advocate for mental health awareness. After the birth of her twin boys, Bryony suffered a debilitating postnatal depression, which prompted her to help other women during this common mental illness. So she encourages women to share their experiences of mental health. And as I mentioned, is a proud ambassador. This is for both Beyond Blue and Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia, which is PANDA. Now, when this super soul is not working on a dawn or trying to improve the world, you'll find her donning colourful activewear and sipping a dirty chai or an espresso martini after work. She's an enthusiastic recycler and will often go live on Facebook in the bath. <laughs> Above all, Bryony advocates kindness to ourselves, each other, and the planet. She empowers women to look good, do good, and feel good with her easy-to-follow Better Beauty tutorials. Now, this amazing soul you will hear is a high flyer. She is a go-getter. She is a doer. And I cannot wait to share her incredible story all around the creation of Adorn Cosmetics. I hope you enjoy the show. Look forward to your comments on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28, Facebook, Kim Morrison Training. You can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. I want to thank 28 Essentials for being the incredible sponsor of this show so I can bring amazing guests like Bryony right into your ears right now. 
as you can hear, very delighted and excited once again to welcome to the show an extraordinary guest, someone who I've followed for many, many years, someone whose products I have absolutely adored and cherished and shared with so many people in all my talks as my preferred brand, and someone who I really respect as an entrepreneur, a beautiful woman, and someone who oozes beauty inside and out. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, beautiful Bryony Kennedy. Oh, wow. How do I ever live up to such an intro? Oh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, well, it is such a treat. I have really enjoyed watching you and your business grow and also just always really enjoyed watching you on socials and all your makeup tutorials and all the things. For those of you that may not realize, Bryony is the founder of Adorn Cosmetics. And before we get into all of your business side of things, Bryony, perhaps you could give us a little brief background as to your upbringing, where you're from, what you're about to anyone that may not have heard of you just at this moment. Oh, well, I think I'm a a bit of a a Jill of all trades. My background really is quite diverse. I mean, I've um, done quite a bit prior to Adorn in relation to career and, you know, there's been sales, marketing. um, I've worked in the gym industry, the car industry for quite a long time. So there's not too much I haven't seen or heard coming from that industry, especially back then. Um, And, you know, I've worked with animals. um, I've worked for myself. I've helped other people's businesses. I've been an employee. Um, I'm not sure I'd be employable anymore, but uh, yeah, I've I've done so many different things and I have to say, you know, as I was growing up as a a teenager and as a a young adult, I was probably always really, always beating myself up about not knowing what I really wanted to do and it really was a bit of a struggle for me right through school. I was just wanting to know what's this thing that I'm going to do? What am I going to stand for? What will be my career? And it used to upset me quite a lot because I would start a a job or a career and, and, and then I wouldn't like it after a few months or six months or whatever it was. So I felt like I was always, um, jumping from job to job. I'm not the kind of person that will sit still for long if I don't believe in something or like something wholeheartedly. Um, I'm a passionate kind of person. And look, I think realistically, I am a natural born entrepreneur. I did have my own business when I was about 10. um, And I've got even a profit and loss book that I had made back then. um, And that was all around uh, my animals. I had I used to breed birds, so I had a couple of bird aviaries, um, guinea pigs, rabbits, quail, fish, mice. My backyard was a menagerie of animals. I was so in love with them all. And, of course, when you have so many of them, they start to breed. And so then I would, you know, would sell the the babies and I would sell the food because I soon realised that, um, you could buy food from the supermarket, but if I got my mum to take me to the local silo, that I could, of course, buy it a lot cheaper and make smaller bags and sell it to the people that were buying animals from me. I'd buy bales of hay and then put it into smaller bags. So right at a young age, I, I got it and I understood how, um, without even realising, I guess, how a business works and makes profit. And I was able to really see um, some key areas that I could make my own little business and make it work. Um, a funny story, which I'm, th- I'm sure, 
<laughs> you'll find amusing. One of the things that I did too as a kid, and, and this all gets back to probably why I, I was never really settled until I had found my my genre of, of um I suppose, career, which was adorned, but also working for myself. I think this is why I've never really found what I wanted to do because I think ultimately I'm an entrepreneur and I need to be doing my own thing. But getting back to when I was a little entrepreneur at a primary school, it's kind of embarrassing really, but it's funny. I realized that my friends weren't all allowed to have pets. And so they often would all come to my house because you could imagine how fun it would have been visiting my backyard. And they would be begging their parents to have a pet. And one, I I realized, okay, well, maybe what I might do is I'll sell them a guinea pig. So I would sell my girlfriend's guinea pigs that they weren't allowed to have, but they would keep them at my house in my cage. And then on a Monday morning, when we had assembly, I would go around to the girls that had guinea pigs at my house and take 50 cents rent. So, so that was another little side business that I had and that covered their food. So I was like a gisting, not horses, but guinea pigs. So, um, you know, I think I was just really born this way to, you know, to be doing my thing, to be, you know, have this initiative around, I suppose, finding better ways of doing things, making business. It just comes naturally to me. And so I think my very diverse background in all these different areas was painful in my soul because I never could figure out, you know, is there something wrong with me? But now I can reflect back as, you know, more mature um, age woman that it was really just because I hadn't found my ideal fit. And that was definitely to be doing my own and working my own business. It's an extraordinary thing. You say that you were born that way, but I'm interested to know from your perspective then, do you think entrepreneurs are born that way or are they made that way? Or is it to do with personality? Is it your environment? Were your mum and dad entrepreneurs? Like, where did it come from, do you think? Yeah, I I often think about this and I I do think that there is a certain personality type that is born as an entrepreneur. I do think there's certain quirky and and I'll include myself in that where we, we kind of think a little bit differently. Um, and you know, I guess it's like some, you know, elite athletes that, you know, are able to swing a golf club at the age of, you know, some things just come naturally to some other than others. And so I don't think that it's impossible for an entrepreneur to be, to be made. I think that sometimes people come across unique ideas or they've um, been in a position where they've come across something that they, um, you know, take to market, whether it's a service, whether it's a product, um, whether it's something that they, they actually physically do. I do think that you can stumble into that and with the right um, mentors, I suppose, around you, you know, iron out the areas of that that you don't understand. Um, but to me, I think a born entrepreneur is someone who is pretty much unemployable. I think we are the kind of people that we're 150 miles an hour. We're all about let's do it now. Let's 
stub our toe, let's get our toe in the water, make mistakes, get on with it. You know, I've never had business plans. I've never had marketing plans. I've never had no plans. It all is just in my head. And I just go, this is what we're doing. And I know it'll work. And if it doesn't, that's great. I'd rather save time now just throwing everything at it and it doesn't work. And then I can just move on to the next thing. Um, you know, there, there are some calculations around that from a finance perspective, but most of what I do is very, um, you know, dynamic and we just get stuff done and, and almost can be a bit impulsive. Uh, so for me to be working with, you know, a, a massive board and, you know, all these different layers of management having, I, it would crush me. I couldn't, I could not work in that environment. I'd have to step away. That would be something that just wouldn't work for me. My father, I have to say, um, you know, my relationship with my father was definitely not a great one. Um, but you know, I suppose one positive thing that, that came from having him as a father is that, uh, he definitely had that, aspect to his personality where he just had the knack for knowing how to make money. He could see opportunities that other people couldn't see. Um, and he was just very good. He just, he just had the gift of the gab when it came to things like that. So I, I think that I was able to, um, you know, from a personality point of view, I think I just, um, you know, had that, uh, genetically from him. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. It's kind of a hard one, isn't it? Because I, I don't think it's not necessarily that you're born. I think that there are some that are made, but I think that, you know, realistically, I, I do think it's a, a strong personality type that uh, thinks the way I do. I love it. And I think it's such a powerful message to anyone out there with an idea or maybe sees themselves as unemployable. Maybe it's not that you're unemployable. You're just an entrepreneur waiting to come out. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I don't think I've worked for anyone since I was 20 and I, I don't yeah. know if I ever could again. It's bizarre, isn't it? But yeah, I want to know how you got into then. Tell us the story behind Adorn. This is a really yep. successful, beautiful company. Your products are insane. It's always my preference whenever anyone asks me what are the best chemical free makeups out there yeah. what do you love and you've really developed the range so could you walk us through where it came from and how you yeah. created it yeah sure so I guess um Adorn really came about without me even realizing um as I was working in my various different industries that I was in um as you know I guess from a, an artistic point of view, one of the things that I did on the side was makeup artistry because I just enjoyed it. I still colour in to this day. Probably one of my self-care things is that um, I love colouring in. I just love it. And I've got, you know, like three different boxes of derwents that my children dare not touch. And you know, I've got these colouring books that no one's allowed to touch. And I could just sit there. For, I just love colour. I'm not, very rarely will you ever see me wearing black. I just love the whole concept of mixing colours together. And so I found it very therapeutic to then go and do that on people's faces. And um, while some things were learnt, most were self-taught and I would do that, you know, on the weekends or after work or, or what have you. So that kind of was just happening as I was working in various different roles. And then one particular moment I was sitting at this particular dealership that I was working for at the time and I just thought I cannot, it was just like there was this wave of, I don't know. I, I have, you ever had that feeling where you're somewhere and you're like, I have, I cannot be here. It was really this overwhelming, I have to get out of here. And 
so then I thought, what am I going to do? But I, can, I cannot come to this place one, for one more day. So I, I started having a look at um, businesses. I thought, well, maybe I could buy myself a beauty salon, as you do. And so because I also had a, at that point, I was also doing a lot of eyebrow waxing um, and Brazilian waxing for people at my house at the time. So I thought, well, look, I know I'm really good at eyebrows. And even though I don't necessarily have a beauty um degree or beauty, haven't done any major beauty courses other than waxing. I'm a massive believer in employing people that are better better than you at specific jobs so that you can be successful because it is impossible to be all things to everyone. Um, that is just, that is just an absolute overwhelming expectation on yourself. And it's also extremely arrogant to think that you are as good as doing everything. So for me, I thought if I get a really good salon somewhere that is doing okay, good location, but I could build on it, you know, maybe this is my opportunity to get out of this car um, yard that I was working in. So I came across this beauty salon that was really more a nail bar on Bridge Road. And um, I kept that particular business for just two years. And whilst I was there, I learnt a lot of things. <laughs> One was that it's very hard to make money in a beauty salon. Um, I take my hat off to anybody that has one. It's 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 very very difficult because there are so many of them, and uh, customers are not always particularly loyal um, for various different reasons. I understand why. Um, our salon though was very successful, I think, because being a customer of many salons myself, I understood why there was no loyalty, and that was because the of the inconsistency around the service they were getting. You know, one girl would wax their brows nicely, the next one would wax them off. Uh, one person would wax your lip, the next person would take skin off. Like there was just, you just, there was no consistency to the service that people were getting. It was almost scary. Like what am I going to go in and get? Um, and so that's really what I built on was consistency, almost, and I hate to say it, but it more like a McDonald's um, effect where, you know, everybody waxes a Brazilian this way way. Brows are done this way. These are the product. Like it, it is consistent. When someone comes in here, they know exactly how they're going to be treated and they know exactly what they're getting. So because of that, we built such a loyal customer base that one thing that I introduced, and I'm not sure of anyone that's done this to date. So correct me if anyone out there does know of it, but we introduced or I introduced a membership program. And so what I did was I thought, okay, I probably will want to sell this business one day, but it's going to be difficult to prove loyalty because I know with beauty salons, the expectation is that the customers may not be loyal to you. So what you're showing on the books may not necessarily be the case in a few months time or if you leave. So I had to prove that I wasn't business wasn't reliant on me, number one, and number two, that we had regular cash coming in. So I set up a membership program, um, almost a bit like a lay-by service, I guess, where customers would preset an amount that they were comfortable with and they would that would be direct debited out of their account each month. And how we'd work it is we'd say, okay, Kim, you get your nails done and it costs you $60 a month. Why don't you se uh, select your membership to be $80 a month and then that $20 extra goes towards saving for maybe a facial. But in addition to that, you also got like 15 to 20% off your services. So that was a hugely successful initiative. And it was one that was um, 
I gave me the ability to sell the business to the first person that wanted it because I could say, look, this is proof. Like you can see these people have signed up for direct debits. Like they, that's loyalty. I don't know any other salon that's doing that. So, so that was, um, a really good opportunity for me to be able to sell the business. And after a couple of years, I decided that I had had enough, um, Whilst I was there, I had a visit from a rep, which always happens when you've got a salon. Um, and they dropped in and gave me a business card and said, you know, if you want to create your own um, products for your salon, uh, we can assist. And I thought, oh, God, I'm not going to do that. I can't. Like, what? No. <laughs> I don't know what. I don't know how to create products. So I didn't really think much of it, but I kept the card. I don't know why I did, but obviously you know, at that time I felt like there was a reason, a bit of a gut instinct. So I kept the card, sold the business. Um, and about a week after a week prior to like this new person taking over, found out that I was pregnant. And as it turns, I was pregnant with twins. Um, so it worked, the timing was just perfect. Uh, and I was incredibly unwell. I had hyperemesis, um, which is a gravely ill, vomiting 24-7 sickness when I was pregnant. So I was not able to leave my house. I was very isolated and very, very unwell for that whole pregnancy, which was was absolutely torturous. Um, But then after the boys were born, they were possibly about six months because it was 2008 that I launched uh, Adorn. And so, yes, they would have been about six months old and I was starting to get itchy feet, like as you do when you've had twins, you get bored. Um, and so, so for me, I just wanted to do something that was a bit about myself. And I thought, what can I do? That's going to make some money. I'm going to enjoy it, but it's not going to impact my time with the boys. I don't really want to have to put them into any kind of care at the moment. So I thought what I might do is teach makeup classes because people are always asking me how to do various different things. And most often a lot of what women are trying to achieve on their face isn't going to suit them. Much like when you see a beautiful hairstyle or a hair colour, but you're looking at the model who's got the right skin tone for that and then you go to the hairdresser and they're like, that's just not going to look like that on you because you've got different eye colour, different skin colour. So a lot of the problem with makeup I knew and still know is that people get caught up in what they see on YouTube looking awesome, but that's because it suits that person. And often it's all about just getting the right colors. It's not even so much the technique, it's just getting the right colors to start with. So I thought if I teach these classes in women's homes where they're comfortable in an intimate environment, then um, maybe I can make some money selling another brand. There was a a network marketing brand around at the time. um, And so I went and just taught very basic skincare and uh, makeup. So, you know, how to correctly uh, choose a foundation, et cetera, et cetera. So they actually were really successful. And then I thought, okay, well, I'm not charging for these classes because I'm, I'm wanting to get into these people's home and I'm giving my service for free. I'm just making a little bit of money out of selling the products, but I could be making so much more if they were my products. And then I had that realization that I'd kept this card. So I was like scrounging through all of the stuff that I'd kept from the business, trying to find this pathetic little business card. And I found it and I kind of, I guess, felt a bit of an imposter, like who the hell are you to be even being considering this? But I also do think that, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. And 
I also believe that if you don't put one foot forward, you're only in the same position that you're in at the beginning. So to me, there's no real sense of loss when I try things and they fail because I think, well, I'm only back to where I was anyway. At least I gave it a shot. So I gave them a call and the long and short of that was that I um, started my journey with this particular manufacturer um, in starting the Adorn brand. And it was very much just a colour, a mineral colour brand at that point. Um, skincare was something that came in much later with the exception of one product. Um, so then I started teaching um, the classes with the Adorn brand with the most disgusting packaging you <laughs> could ever imagine. I've, I've kept it because I think, um, you know, if you go to market and everything looks perfect, as they say, you know, you've probably gone to market too late. And that was definitely the case with the Adorn brand. Um, so I would sell the products and um, it got to a point where I guess I just couldn't keep doing the classes. I was getting a bit burnt out with it um, and I couldn't do that many of them. And I was starting to get people calling up to place orders, of course, and uh, replace products that had run out of. And whilst that was okay for a period of time, I thought, okay, well, I can't keep taking phone calls. What can I do to sell the products? Now, back in 2008, you've got to kind of take your mind back there. And, and if you're 20 years of age, you're probably not going to be able to remember too much around this time of, of 2008 being a, a, a time where you really could only buy skincare and makeup in store. There wasn't really any brands you could buy online, um, not colour specific anyway. And so we decided to start a website, much to everybody's shock and horror, um, because I really didn't have the money one, to go into stores. I didn't have the money to, and this is where I think sometimes your restraints or constraints rather actually can be a positive thing. You just might not see it at the time. And so for me, I was like, well, I can't afford to go into stores. I can't afford the fancy display that it will need to go on. I can't afford the stock that they want. And I can't afford the risk if it doesn't sell that they then give it back to me. And I've got all this stock that I've paid for that they won't. And, and look, I, over the years, I've had multiple opportunities to go into different big outlets um, and I haven't. One, because of the cost, but also from my personal beliefs um, around waste. So I probably could have got a dawn to a point that it was successful a lot quicker if I had have gone down that track. But um, for me, I have a big thing about waste. That's my biggest passion about being in the beauty industry is being a force that can really restrain the waste that's being created right at the beginning, not just about recycling. That's great, but that's an end process. How do we eliminate waste at the beginning, right before it's even a thought? So for me, if I'm putting stock into all of these stores and certain things don't sell, it crushes my soul to think that that then has to go into the landfill. Um, I can't stomach that. And to this day, we still produce all of our batches, small, fresh batches based on actual sales. And because we're online, we could do that. We don't have to be looking at other stores and what they're selling. And it's very easy for us not to have waste at all, which I'm super proud of. So the website was born, um, 
Initially, I went down the path of looking at a network marketing uh, channel for the brand, thinking I'd just find a lot of brinies and, and they would sell the products. That did not work. Uh, one, because managing people to live up to your kind of expectations a little bit soul-destroying in itself um, because there's not that many brinies out there, I soon discovered. <laughs> Probably not a bad thing because um, I'm a little bit nutty. Uh, but I then thought, okay, it's also the website, the structure of setting up a network marketing business on a website was just, oh, absolute nightmare. So it was going to cost a lot of money, which I just didn't have. So we just went um, along with, okay, we're going to sell this on a website. How on earth are people going to find out about Adorn on a website? And and even if they find out about us, why would they buy it? They can't touch, feel, see, um, or smell it. So what are we going to do? So for me at that point in time, we had uh, samples, which we still have today, and we sell them. Again, back then, everyone said to me, no one's going to buy samples. They want them for free. My whole thing was, well, I can't afford to give them away for free, and we're not giving them a little swatch. This is a decent sample, and they're getting this as an opportunity to try the product and not waste their money on a full-size product because about 70% of personal care products are thrown out because they are not suitable. So for all the women that are concerned about price, which I totally get, if they actually worked out how much they've spent on products, cheaper products that they've probably not been able to try, you work that out and you calculate that out about how much you've wasted, um, it would work the same than going with something a bit more quality that you've been able to try first. So the samples were something that we initiated, have have and still are extremely popular to this day. And it's great because for me, you're not going to let customers sample something if it's not a great product. Um, so it's confidence building. It gives you loyalty because they know they can try something. And from my environmental point of view, it helps minimize waste because you're not giving customers the wrong product choice. Um, so that was something that we did. And at that point in time, I, to try and afford the business, because of course, you know, we didn't have any backing. It's always been a privately owned um, brand by my husband and myself. Um, my husband had to, you know, um, redeem holidays, RDOs, uh, long service leave, all of that to put into the business. We subdivided our property that we lived on, sold those two properties, put that money into the business. Um, and then I also set up a, a room where we were and I worked as much as I could providing beauty treatments for people at home. So any kind of waxing, um, makeup artistry. We even had our own dog minding service. So people would drop off their dogs to us when they went on holiday. God, one lady's dogs wore nappies. So that was, that was an interesting um, situation. I had to look after another dog's puppies. I had one lady that dropped her dog off every day. You name it, we did it to try and bring in some money to put into this business. So we worked really really hard. It was extremely stressful, sometimes soul destroying um, because, you know, for me, I at that time didn't understand about investment and, and getting someone on board to help with capital. I didn't understand that side of the business, but I also didn't want anyone in the business. I really wanted to run with this myself and, and create what I wanted to create um, and not 
have someone else sort of holding me back on what I knew would be the right decision in the end. So that's kind of how it all came together at the beginning. Um, And I really just befriended anyone I could on Facebook, LinkedIn, because I thought the maybe the more they see Adorn Cosmetics, then one day, you know, if they see that name 10 times, maybe they might just check out the website. I would go to every function I could possibly go to. And the other thing I did back then was went to not beauty expos, I went to all the other expos because I knew I wouldn't be able to compete. I was not, little Briny and Adorn with her ugly packaging was not going to be able to compete with these multi-million dollar brands or billion dollar brands even. So I did all the other expos. I did the cruelty-free, the vegan expos, all of those, um, yeah, self-care, you know, anything to do with health, fitness, animals and the environment, I did those expos and we just sold products like hotcakes and it really gave a good foundation of customers that were very specific in what they wanted from a product. They wanted a quality luxury product, but one they didn't feel guilty about using. And that's really what Adorn's message is, is that you can have a beautiful quality product, but not feel guilty about using it because it's not wasteful. It's not harmful, etc. So it was a tough slog, um, you know, and, and you name it, there probably wasn't a way that I, I wasn't trying to promote it. Um, and realistically, from a financial point of view, I would say it's been the last five years that Adorned really found its feet financially and, and has become, a, you know, a multi, multi-million dollar brand, which I'm so proud of. And even to this day saying it, it's like I can't even get, like I just, it doesn't even, like I can't, I just still don't believe it. It's just too weird. Um, because there was times where we had family buying our food. Like it was so, um, you know, there was like some, some really defining moments, um, that took place to take the business from, you know, nearly going bankrupt to becoming the success it is now. And it wasn't because the business wasn't successful or growing. That was the hardest thing for me is that it was always a growing brand, but the amount of money that we outlaid personally, and the debt that we were in, our cash flow was just non-existent. It was so hard and it was sickening a lot of the time. Like I, there wasn't a day I didn't go to bed feeling sick about how I was going to pay for the next day, but I just took every moment as it stood because I knew that if I thought too far in advance, I'd just be overwhelmed. I'd give up. Um, and I would just be consumed with stress. And I was so deep in debt and so deep in everything that I knew to give up was to to fail. And at that point, I had um, some family that had invested some or loaned some money to me. Um, and I thought, I can't let this business go under when I know it's going to be successful. It's just, I don't have the cash flow for it, nor am I going to, you know, have people that I love that's that have, um, you know, thought enough of me to help me out, you know, not be able to pay them back. So there were a couple of changes that I made to the business about five years ago that really saw it explode. Um, so that gives you a little bit of an idea, short and long, of how um, it all started and how I um, managed those early stages. I'm sure every entrepreneur listening to you, every business owner listening to this right now is going, yeah, 
That was so me. Yeah, I've done the same. I'm so there. Yeah. And I think yeah, this is where we have such respect for all uh, businesses that, especially that start with this humble beginning. I cannot be- believe how um, similar our stories are. It's it's actually uncanny. But I, yeah. I want to know then those dark moments, those moments where maybe you were challenged or questioning about giving up. Was it the people that you owed money to? Was it your two boys? Was it your husband? Was it the sheer tenacity that you knew this would succeed? Was it just oh. a matter of time? What what were your go-tos through those bad oh. moments? Yeah, look, I I have to say that, it, that that's such a hard one to answer in a simple sentence. It's very layered. So I think that because of where I had got myself financially, um, and because of the way I think as, as a very entrepreneurial kind of person, a lot of people probably don't always get what I'm trying to do or achieve. They probably go about things a bit differently. So, um, it can be quite exhausting trying to explain things when you just know if you do it yourself, it's just easier. Um, I guess for me, I would sometimes share how stressed I, stressed I was or upset I was, but rarely. And the reason, and I'm not suggesting that's the right thing to do, but the reason I rarely did it was because I'm kind of the, the, the strong matriarch of the family. And if I'm stressed and upset, it's like, whoa, what the hell? If Bryony's not coping, holy shit, what's wrong? You know? So, um, so I guess I'd never wanted to put my stress onto everybody else. I didn't want them to lose faith in me. Um, so it was challenging and I, and I have to say to people that, you know, don't do that. (laughs) Don't keep it to yourself because, um, I think that, there's a lot of mental fortitude that I've probably got where I can rise above. Like I've had depression and anxiety and, and I've had all sorts of things and, and come through them. Um, but for me, I do think that talking about it to people is, is a good thing. Um, I don't think necessarily keeping it to yourself is a great thing because you are stomaching something that, you know, causing inflammation and all kinds of horrible things to your body. But it was just the way I coped. I couldn't handle not only dealing with my own stress, but knowing that I'd created other people's stress and whether they heard me or not, or supported me or not, I knew that they would be stressed. And that was too much for me. I would rather just keep it to myself. So, um, you know, there were moments where I I would fall in a heap and like cry my eyeballs out. Like I would just be inconsolable. Like I I just didn't know what to do anymore. Um, and then I would just, you know, put my big girl pants on and suck it up and get on with it because I thought, what am I going to do if I don't get up tomorrow, what's going to happen to everybody? So I always, Look, I think as you get older, you either get consumed by things or you learn to really be present and and take on what you can in that moment. And what I learned for me, which I believe was a survival skill and one that I still use to this day, took me many years to be able to do it, was to genuinely be in the moment. Because for someone who's a an anxious person. I'm quite OCD. I'm I'm very impatient. Patience is not a virtue of mine. Um, I have to learn, okay, Bryony, in this moment, 
you are worried about paying wages, but what can you do right at this moment? You're eating your dinner with your kids. You just need to eat your dinner to eat your dinner because right now there is not anything you can do about it. You'll go into the office in the morning and you'll be presented with that same issue and you will deal with it tomorrow morning. So for me, it was very much about staying present because if you allow your mind to wander about the past or the future, you're possibly setting yourself up for failure because you're looking at the, oh, well, that happened. Why would this be any better? Or this is going to happen. Oh my God, I'm not even going to try anything anymore. So it can be very damaging to your growth if you think about the past and the future too much. It's very much about what can I do now to fix, solve or evolve in in this moment. And that's really how I have taught myself. And to be honest, there's not too much that upsets or stresses. It would really have to be someone's health and and sickness in my family that I, I just don't get emotionally attached to financial things anymore or things that are not anything to do with my blood. So my family, like I, and, and I think that's just thick skin that I've just obviously accumulated over, you know, 13 years of being in a business I've, I've essentially had by myself, had an amazing team along the way, but you do get a thick skin um, or, or you just burst and you, and you can't go on. So being in the moment is definitely something I believe in. Um, having some good mentors though, if you can, like I think if you've got someone that's in a, um, a similar space, whether it's a mentor around finances, so whether you find an amazing accountant who understands, you know, your business, not just figures, because that's, you know, that that's not helping you either. You want someone that understands what you're trying to do, um, whether it's a, a partner or you, you or you go out and you actually actively find someone on LinkedIn, even you know, approach someone and say, "Look, you know, I'm, I'm, I need some unbiased support." And you know, some people might want to be paid for their time, um, or, or maybe they don't. Um, you know, I think it's about finding the right mentors, ones that you don't feel guilty about, you know, loading onto, but also that you feel it will give you an unbiased view. Um, because yeah, it, it can, it can be very, very soul destroying. It can make you very unwell. And I've had both of those feelings of being unwell and soul destroyed. And, um, but I have to say, I've also picked myself up very quickly. I've never, you know, been stuck in bed for a week. It's, it's like, it's a feeling I let it all probably because I let it build up for so long and then I combust and then I'm okay. Now we've just got to get on with it. And one of the things for me was, uh, a turning point for a dawn, which was probably about year eight, where we were really on the bones of our backside and the business was growing, but we had no money left. Like, I mean, no money left. Like we had our um, parents and, and in-laws supporting us for paying our food, paying rent, uh, you name it. It was really look, you know, it, it wasn't a great place to be in. It was embarrassing. It was upsetting. It was everything you could imagine. And, you know, there was conversations that my husband and I had around, you know, maybe I would go pick and pack shelves at a supermarket at nighttime and he would go and do something else so that we could just keep the business going until I was able to maybe sell it. Because I just thought, I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't get it. Like the sales are growing. I just can't grow it fast enough. I've got more debt than I've got coming in. 
um, because, you know, when I started, no one would lend you money. So what I did was put all of it onto credit cards. Um, and I'm not suggesting people go and do that, but that was, that was the option that I had. Um, and of course, had um, a family member, which was my stepfather that helped me out as well. So I always had my husband telling me right for, you know, for that first eight years, why aren't you the face of the brand? Why aren't you telling your story? Why aren't you doing X, Y, Z? People like listening to you. They, they genuinely do what you say. Like, they, like, why aren't you doing more with the brand? And I guess for me, I never wanted a dawn to be about me. I'm, I'm not interested in fame whatsoever. Like, it kind of makes me feel a bit grossed out. Um, I'm not comfortable with it. And I just thought that the products are so awesome, they should sell themselves. Um, you know, we are still to this day the most highly accredited Australian made brand like we're cruelty free vegan toxin allergen free um some products are certified palm oil free or or in the midst of getting that done um we have a refill recycle program uh biodegradable packaging like you name it like we tick every flaming box there is around being an awesome company and that's something i'm so proud of and i thought that is enough but it's not enough. You could have, like, I mean, I, I see awesome products at markets every other week and I think, holy shit, this is a good product. But is that product ever going to be anything more than at a market? No, probably not. Maybe the person doesn't have the passion for it or they just love doing their market thing. There's no right or wrong. You don't have to be a multi-million dollar business to be successful. Success is defined by you and what you believe success is. But the point I'm trying to make is that it doesn't matter how amazing your products are, there's got to be more to it. And there has to be a story. There has to be a message. And when I first started in 2008, I guess I was quite shy around doing any kind of promotional stuff because I felt like I can't take Vogue images. I can't afford the photographers. I I just can't afford any of that. And and for me, I felt like everything had to look like it had come out of a Vogue magazine or you just don't do it at all. And I felt like we had to have models and, you know, all of that. So around um, five years ago when I thought, okay, well, what have I got to lose? But right now, everything, what can I do differently? Because if I don't do something differently, I am going to lose this business to someone else who's going to come in and reap all the rewards. And so the only thing at that point that I hadn't tried was presenting my story and presenting me as the face of the brand and putting a human element to the products. And so what I did was I got my phone. There was no ring lights, no, no nothing, just a phone on my rental property. I precariously had this phone sitting on a windowsill with the, the, window like a crack open so I got some light in and no echoing in the bathroom the lighting was so disgusting anyway the bathroom was something out of a 1940s hellhole like it was awful (laughs) so I'm trying not to have the phone angled in such a way that you would see it and I did my first ever tutorial it was terrible I have to see if I've still got that saved somewhere I'm sure it is and I think I said um, more than I said anything else. It was just terrible. But anyway, we used it on our Facebook feed and we also used it with some of our Facebook ads. And 
we also changed our, I suppose, oh, I hate to call it a slogan, but, you know, really in a nutshell, what a dorm stands for. And so rather than focusing so much around all of the accreditations and the products, we came up with luxury without the guilt. And so I think that was really captivating for people where they're like, well, what's luxury without the guilt? What are they talking about? So that really changing that, the emphasis around that, but also putting a human element, a real person five years ago. I mean, they, t- today everybody's doing stuff, TikToks and, you know, all sorts of things. Um, and so it's accepted, but five years ago it was kind of still not really a thing. People were not really doing their own tutorials um, or podcasts. It was still very new. And so that was very daunting for me. I got a lot of criticism, a lot of um, trolls picked on those tutorials that I did. Um, But I do say that the first few tutorials I did were what gave the brand its first few million dollars turnover. Like, I mean, like, per year kind of thing. Like it was, it was such a massive, huge growth from a brand that was almost going bankrupt to like within uh, that next financial year, a multi-million dollar brand, just by me putting my face to the brand and being a real person showing real tutorials and, you know, not making it all airbrushed and too fabulous. So I think the, the, message around that is it's really being, um, God, I hate this whole, you know, being authentic, but it's, it's genuine, being genuine and, you know, showing your products in a light that people really are going to use them. And for me, that was a massive defining moment that if I didn't do something different, I was going to lose everything. So I had to have a hard look at myself. What was I going to do? And, you know, it was, it was blatantly obvious, but I was just scared to do it. I didn't want, I really did not want to do it. Even today, whilst I'm comfortable on camera more now, it's still something I, I feel a bit weird about when people, you know, meet, see me out in public and say hi. And it's, it's, I don't know, I find it all a bit strange because um, to me, I'm just briny, you know, I've just, I'm, you know, mum with the kids and I've got the dogs and the cats and I'm, I'm living my life like normal, but yeah, it, it really was a defining moment for the brand and, and how it's evolved over the last five years has just been absolutely amazing. If I had have started the brand that way in, you know, in 2008, you know, it's not like that was the only thing, me putting my face to it that made the brand successful. All the sweat and blood from the previous eight years definitely attributed to that. Um, but sometimes, you know, if, if there's that whole thing, if you keep doing the same thing, isn't that the uh, definition of being insane? You can't keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So true. Such a powerful message and so incredible. I'm the same. Those those live things just do me in, but people seem to love them. And I think the more real, the better. Even the mistakes, the more people love you. I, I want to just quickly check in with you. There's there's a number of quick little questions I have for you. You mentioned very briefly that you have suffered with anxiety and depression, and oh. yet now you are in fact a proud ambassador for both Beyond Blue and Panda. Could you just oh. tell us a little bit about how you turned that challenge into an opportunity? Yeah, so I um, started a dawn when I actually had been um, diagnosed with depression. I was on medication for it at the time. Um, and look, everybody's journey with that is very different. And, 
you know, I think because I'm such a perfectionist and my expectation of myself is just ridiculous that when I became a mum, I soon realised the expectations you have of yourself cannot be because you've got, you know, other personalities and little individuals that have got their own minds. So, you know, I think that really shocked, shocked my way of being, but also having had been stuck at home incredibly unwell for nine months, um, definitely. And anybody that's obviously gone through, as we all have isolation over the last couple of years, it's really soul destroying. Like people say it talks to me about COVID and I'm like, well, my two pregnancies were COVID like essentially because I couldn't leave my house for nine months. And, and on top of it was vomiting the whole time. Um, so for me, I think, yes, I had depression. Um, I was extremely unwell mentally, but I was still able to function somewhat. Um, and what saved me was being able to do some things that made me feel still like myself. So stepping away from the kids occasionally to do the adorn things, to do things that I could control a little bit so that there was a little bit of my personality that I could still have for myself. Um, and then learn that, okay, when you're in adorn mode, that's your time to be in control, Bryony. But now when you're with your children, this is your time to put your hat on of out of control, Bryony. And you now need to learn to be in the moment and go with the flow. And so it was really just something that I learnt myself and I taught myself because it was a matter of survival for me. If I didn't do something, I was not going to be in a good place and, and I wasn't in a good place. So I had to teach my years and years and years it took me to do that. And that's not to say to this day, I don't get, don't have anxiety. I still do, but I'm much better at controlling it than I was able to once upon a time. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's, it's, an, it's seriously a very horrible thing to go through and, and people don't understand if they've not had it themselves. If you've got a well brain versus one that's not, it's very hard to explain, but you know, you do have thoughts where you think, okay, um, I am just such a burden to everybody and I'm such a letdown that it's probably best if I'm not here anymore. Now I didn't want to die, but I just didn't want to exist. And this is why as much as, you know, it, it's um, an awful subject suicide, I, I, I get it. I don't think anybody actually wants to die. They just don't want to exist anymore. And it's two different things. It's very different things. And luckily I'd never sort of went down that path of even attempting those things. I recognised I felt that way and made sure I did something about it and spoke to someone about it. Um, so, yeah, I think my message around that is, is whatever you need to do to get yourself well, you do it. Like it is because it is, it's a life and death, death situation. Um, and I, I feel to my core, really sorry for anybody that's having to go through it because I, I understand how absolutely revolting it is to feel that way. I'll make sure I put in the notes the connection to both of those beautiful associations so that anyone that is feeling challenged by this or certainly getting inspired to do something about it, I will put those in there thanks to your patronage and ambassadorship with both of them and, of course, your experience. 
But let's move forward. You have three beautiful boys, an amazing husband, now an incredible multi-million dollar business. I also would just love to know, in order for you to have come out the other side, to have hung in there, to do all of these things, Bryony, and still keep showing up in the lives and showing us maybe more mature women how to wear makeup so beautifully, I'd love to ask you then, loving oneself, caring for oneself, doing things for oneself to really get us through those moments has been pivotal for you, even as you say, just one step, one moment, one breath at a time. What would be your definition of self-love? Look, I think truly appreciating your body, and I know some people will think, okay, that's easier for you to say than someone else or, or what have you. And I, I look that we've all got different bodies, different faces, different everything, but ultimately we've all been given a vessel. And I think that, and this is going to sound corny, but there are times where I will say to myself, thank you arms for working. Like, thank you. Like I've got fingers that work and arms that work and legs. Thank you for letting me walk. It's, it's, I actually give my body gratitude and it's going to sound a bit corny, but but I do. And I think that you then fall into this momentum of appreciating that your vessel works. And I don't care how good looking you are or how beautiful your hair is. And if, if it's not working or you're unwell or you're unfortunately maybe don't have long to live, all of that stuff doesn't matter. So it's about appreciating the vessel that you've got and the things that do work and how you can look after that vessel as best you can. You don't have to be perfect about it, but how can you best fuel that body and that vessel? Like if you've gone and bought yourself a beautiful car, you're not sticking in some dirty petrol. You're going to put the nice petrol in it to let that car run smoothly. You know, if you've got a beautiful pet at home, I bet you make sure you feed that the best food ever and the best care, but ourselves, we don't do that. And, and not, I mean, there are some people that that do, but generally we don't think of that. It's like you, you are a vessel that you need to look after. And that's something that is the most important thing. And, and you providing that self care is going to be the best Thing, the most important thing you can do for your children, your partner, your parents, any, if you're well and you're happy, everything around you is so much easier and there's less stress because everybody else is happy. They're not worrying about your health and things like that. And, and self-care to me is also being a little bit, and I don't know what word we could use, but I'm going to use selfish. It's not the right word. Um, but I think it's about doing what the hell you bloody want to do. (laughs) I think that's the other self-care message I've got is stop feeling bloody guilty about doing things that you enjoy. Like it's not a challenge or competition around who's the busiest and who's got the least amount of time to do anything they like. Like, I don't know about you, Kim, but every time I speak to groups of people, it's like, oh, I've got no time. Oh, I haven't got time to read books. I haven't got time to go for a walk. I haven't got time to lay with the dog. There's no time for themselves to enjoy or smell the roses. Like that's not something to be proud of. And if you are saying it and don't realise then stop yourself and go, okay, well, hang on a minute. We're not here to to be Trojan horses to get from A to B and then put ourselves in a grave. We're here to bloody enjoy ourselves. Do the things that you enjoy doing. And if you're not, how can you incorporate that 
Um, you know, for me, I actively find the time because for so many years I didn't, um, I actively find the time to read books. I just love reading, but it would take me a year to read one book once upon a time where this summer I committed to reading a book a day and some of the bigger books was a a book a week. And I read that many books and wow, I felt so good about myself. I wasn't just aimlessly, you know, scrolling through phones, wasting time. I was learning things. I, I was relaxing. I was getting a bit of vitamin D and I felt like a better person because I'd taken some time for myself. You know, I take time to go to Pilates or go for a walk or, um, you know, have the bloody chocolate bar. Um, just don't have 10, you know, have the pink donut, um, go and have one too many wines with your girlfriend, talk shit. You don't have to have meaningful conversations all the time. Like if you want to do it and it makes you feel good, bloody do it. It's so important that we do things that we love. That self-care, it's not a competition on who's the busiest doing the shit we don't want to do. I just love your, I love your blatancy because it's just what some of us need to hear. And I'm sure... Some swear words, we I, I, look, I don't mind, but yes, yeah, I don't mind. No, no, I love every minute. I love it. I'm just picturing, you know, women listening to this out, walking, um, driving along and just chuckling to themselves going, yeah, yeah, why not? Because I noticed that you do love an espresso martini or a dirty chai oh. and I do notice that you enjoy having that time for you. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. You know, and, and I've gone to an age now where if I'm about to eat or drink something and I don't like it, I won't eat or drink it. I'm like, I am not, no, I'm not drinking that wine just because it, I've got it. If it's not nice, no, I'm not, I'm just not doing things that I don't enjoy. I'm not going to hang out with people that I don't have a good belly laugh with or feel enriched. So I just, I'm not going to have the wine if I don't enjoy the first sip. I'm not going to force myself to finish it. I'm not going to finish a meal that I'm not enjoying. I'm not going to finish a conversation I'm not enjoying. I'm not going to see people I don't enjoy seeing. I just don't do things that I don't enjoy anymore. I mean, there's there's some things. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there's you know, like we've got to do the laundry. Someone's got to do the laundry. Um, you know, <laughs> I've got to sometimes listen to kids fighting. Like, you know, come on. There's some things, but generally, when it comes to my time, I've got to enjoy it. And that comes to Adorn. I love what I do at Adorn. I I love it. Like, I live, breathe, and feel so passionate about it. Or I just wouldn't do it. And and I think that that is super important that whatever you're committing to when it is your time, make sure it's something that you feel enriched or feel better for if you had a good laugh or yeah. Like I just, I just won't waste, waste my time on things that I just don't enjoy. Perfect. I love it. And I just I really also appreciate not only your amazing tutorials, which I have to admit, I never look like you in them. I can't wear red lipstick like you, your beautiful, amazing <laughs> color palette. I'm definitely more muted, but my daughter looks insane in your beautiful reds. Oh. oh my gosh, she's incredible. And I just love learning from you and obviously creating um, a beautiful canvas with good skincare yes. and good products and good eating and all of the things that come 
with adorning this vessel with the yes. best possible things inside that. and out. I do too. So my darling girl, I want to know then, I know we're coming to the end, but for people who would like to maybe sample some of your beautiful products, maybe try Adorn Out, tell us the website and also can you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Oh, yes. Um, so if you're wanting to, which I'm sure you are, sample the Adorn range and please do that first, um, you can head to adorncosmetics.com.au and there are skincare products, there's skin treatments, there's every colour product. Like The range is huge and we are the largest Australian brand of skincare and makeup. So there's a lot there to choose from. So if you're a little confused where to start, there are sample boxes that have quite a few different color palettes in each. So there's a lot to try from. Um, so there's a light, medium and say like a dark box. It's got all the, the products to suit those tones. Um, but there's also an online color matching service, which we were the first to introduce. So it's not robots, it's real beauty experts at the Adorn office that will receive a photo from you. You upload that on your phone or your or your computer, send it to us, and then we will let you know which shades or which products we think will suit you based on that image that you send through. So we're very much about holding your hand every step of the way, right from what to choose and then sampling what we've recommended to then obviously purchasing the product. And then once you've gone through that, using our refill um, refill opportunity to, to get the sachets and things like that. Of course, there's live chat and we also, you can grab us on the phone and the email as well. Now the podcast, so that's beauty, business and babies, because I can't get all of it into one. It's got to be over three areas that I'm passionate about. You can check that out on the website as well, right down the bottom in the footer. Um, there's a link there to the podcast or, or just look it up on Spotify. And of course, I talk about all things beauty, business and babies. Um, all my experiences around starting a business, the things that you should um, know to get started, the things to be prepared for along the way, my tips around running a business, having twins, having my latest boy who's nearly turning eight. Um, I talk about mental health. I talk about uh food, um, skincare, you name it, animals. I do swear a little bit in it too. So if you're, if you're someone who doesn't like swear word, probably don't tune in. Um, but I'm sure that there's something for everyone. I know there's quite a lot of guys that follow it as well. So it's obviously, um, interesting for all of us to, to take away a few home truths or some tips and tricks. Well, I think it's wonderful. And we have a number of beautiful men following this podcast too. And even Aww. though it's us girls leading it, I'm sure they love getting an insight into our world as much as we do theirs. But beautiful, Bryony, I, I could talk to and hear you for hours. I truly do admire, respect and love you. And I'm very appreciative for all the things. Every time I've always ever ordered anything off the Adorn website, it comes so quickly. It's beautifully wrapped. Um, it's got too, beautiful too messages. Kind. Thank you. Oh, it's just it's just so nice to support a brand um, that is so in align with our values. And I think that's really what creates a loyal customer is when all of our values align. So to finish off, you beautiful soul, um, we've got the website, we've got your podcast. We can follow you, I imagine, on the socials under Adorn Cosmetics. Would that be right? Yes. 
yeah, you definitely can. Um, if you're interested in more, um, more in-depth tutorials and a little bit more contact time with me, there is a private Facebook group called the Adorners Exclusive Community. Now, you have to be approved to get into there, um, but that's a little bit more hands-on where I'll run lives quite often from my bathtub. I don't know too many naked CEOs, but I'm naked in my bath. I keep it G-rated, but we do talk all sorts of things and have a wine and go through skincare. Um, And there's over 7,000 amazing women in there that constantly share different looks that they're achieving, different colours, getting opinions from each other. So it's a beautiful collection of kind women in that group. So if you want a bit more hands-on support, that's definitely a group to check out. Perfect. And just to finish up, you beautiful soul, I'm sure you've had many, many quotes that have got you through the highs and lows of life. But right now, is there a particular quote that you could share with the Self Love Podcast listener? Look, I think the one that had the most impact on me was one that my mum said to me when I was a teenager and I was really concerned about, you know, what what people were thinking of me at the time and I hadn't didn't get invited to a party and I wanted to know why. And, I, and it still resonates with a lot of people to, the, to this day. And it, it is simply that it's none of your business what someone else thinks of you. And whenever I have felt over the years like an imposter or I'm not good enough or would they do that or is that, what are they thinking or do I fit in? I remind myself of that. It is none of your business what they think of you. And so that has always helped me to just get on with moving forward and just doing what it is that I need to do in that moment in time. You are one hell of a woman. Absolutely love you to bits. Thank you so much for being on the self-love podcast. No, it's been an honour. Thanks for having me, Kim, and supporting me for all these years, you gorgeous soul. Oh, look, we both started in 2008. I reckon I bought my first, I I couldn't tell you the the first time I bought off you, but it was often I get asked in speaking things, who are the cosmetic brands that I recommend? And because, of course, it starts with A as well. It's always at the top of my list, but also (laughs) because I got to interview you on Up for a Chat and we got to, I don't know, I just loved following you and I love your energy, your zest for life, business, babies, all things beauty. It's just, yeah it's a real breath of fresh air and you know what's also so beautiful is just knowing that it's not just all bells and whistles unicorns rainbows and sparkles hearing your story has just touched me particularly in a way today that's just made me feel so proud and honored to be in the realm of being an entrepreneur and I just want to thank you for all things inside and outside business Oh, no, that's t- totally my pleasure. And look, if we could all be sipping uh, martinis on a yacht, we would, wouldn't we? But it's, you know, it's just not that easy, <laughs> unfortunately. I think maybe when a dawn and 28 sell for multi, multi squillions, you know, maybe yeah. oh, maybe yeah, Elon yeah. maybe Elon Musk needs it. You know, he's just spent yeah. a fortune on Twitter. Maybe he could do with these yeah. two brands. <laughs> and a dawn yacht, that's exactly what we need. <laughs> I love you. Take care, sweetheart, and thank you again. Thank you. No worries. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care.
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.